Welcome to the Two Brothers and Their Sports Podcast. I'm your co-host, Arif. And I'm your other co-host, Arif. And today on the show, we have a very exciting episode. We're going to start off by talking about the FIFA Women's World Cup finale, which is set this Sunday, August 20th at 6 a.m. between Spain and England. We're going to be giving our picks for the for that game, who we think will win. And then finally, at the end, we have an interview with Bryce Montgomery, who is a Carolina Hurricanes prospect, was drafted in 2021, and currently plays for the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders in the USHL. So that's really, really great. Make sure you guys stick around for that. But let's start off with the FIFA Women's World Cup. Arsh, who do you have between Spain and England? Yeah, so we'll start off with that. And for me, it comes down to one X factor. I'm going to pick Spain in this game. It comes down to one X factor, and that's Alexia Putellas. I think she is going to take over this game. She obviously won the Ballon d'Or, one of one of the best women's soccer players uh, right now, if not the best. And the fact is that I think that she's going to take over. This is going to be a very good match. Both teams are very equally matched. The competition level is going to be about the same, which is why it kind of looks like a toss-up for the odds makers. But for me, I'm going to go Spain here. Could I see England making a big run, being just wanting it? when they're on the pitch and really playing aggressively and physically? Yes, I could. But am I going to say that Spain is going to win this one? Yes. Although there's all those problems that many of you might know uh, with Spain's manager, I just think they can rally around the cause. And obviously there's a, there's a big disdain in that locker room, which is kind of crazy about how they've gotten this far, how they've succeeded when there's been those kind of internal problems. We've only seen that a couple of times in sports, but I think this is a team. If there's going to be any team, this is going to be the team that can go through that conflict and still take it all the way to the top. So I'm picking Spain to win this. Yeah. For me, I'm going to have to disagree. I have England and I'll show you guys my bracket. I actually have England winning. I had England winning it from the start of the ESPN fantasy mock draft or not mock draft, but ESPN fantasy bracket. Um, So I had originally England versus the U S we know I stated clearly going into the round of 16, we knew there were problems with the U S we knew that was going to happen. Um, and and we didn't know how far they were going to make it. And ultimately, they didn't make it out of the first round. Um, but Spain has had some really, really tough opponents. I originally had them losing to Netherlands. They beat them. They beat Sweden. And now they're in the final. So they've had a tougher road. However, England, I think, has a lot more momentum. They kind of got here by, like, it was the, the obvious option. They played Nigeria first. Then they played Colombia, which is a better team. Their biggest matchup was against Australia. They won three ones, pretty sure-handedly. Um, even with Sam Kerr there, you go, you guys know how much I like Sam Kerr. But I do think that England is going to win this game. They have a lot of momentum. Their goal differential is crazy, or their point differential, I should say. Um, and I, I know what you said about Spain, but I think that England just has the aggressiveness, they have the tenacity, and they have the drive to actually win it. So I think it's going to be a very good game. I think it's going to be a 2-1 game, maybe 3-1 game, but I do think England's going to end up coming out on top. Welcome back to Two Brothers in Their Sports. We're super excited to have Bryce Montgomery on the show today. He's currently a Carolina Hurricanes prospect who was drafted in the sixth round of the 2021 NHL draft. Bryce previously spent time with the London Knights of the OHL before being traded to the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders in the USHL. In 2023, Bryce had the best season of his career, tallying six goals, 11 assists, 17 points, a six plus minus, and 70 minutes in the penalty box in just 48 games. Um, he also participated in the Hurricanes development camp, which just ended in July. So, Bryce, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate being on here. So, Yeah, and just to kick us off, you were introduced to hockey at a young age. How much of an influence did your father have on that and ultimately your passion for hockey? Yeah, my dad definitely had a ton of influence, him being from Minnesota and him having a hockey background, too. But my mom actually had a big 
influence on me playing hockey too as she was the one who got me in ice skates to start off even though you know she didn't really play hockey but yeah both my parents had a huge influence on me uh just kind of getting into the sport so yeah it's been pretty uh pretty good from there so that's awesome yeah and what were some of your highs like just throughout your young early start of your hockey career just through um club if you ever played any or just middle and high school and really how you developed your game yeah, I started out a local club here in Maryland, where I'm at right now, just visiting home. And I just kind of went on that, that path, going through club to high school, hockey, going to AAA programs, and then going to prep school, and then junior hockey. And then, you know, I think the best part has just been kind of developing and just still getting better and improving and seeing kind of the results kick in and just, you know, having fun with it too. And I think that's kind of been the, the best part about it, just seeing yourself improve and just learning so many new facets of the game and just meeting so many just new and different types of people all over the world and just kind of expand your just you know your circle and just you know I've gotten to meet some really cool people throughout you know my time playing hockey so it's just been a really uh cool experience overall so yeah that's really awesome um and we're gonna skip a few years here talk to us about your thought process of joining the Ontario Hockey League and what factors played into that decision for you and your family yeah I mean you know one of the big parts of that was just the, the the organization the london knights you know if you guys ever heard about them they're probably one of the most prestigious junior uh organizations out there so yeah. that was definitely a big thing that caught my eye and me being a young guy i was a year ahead of my draft i was a year behind the draft so I, I had an extra year to kind of develop with them so that was a big portion of me kind of going to the london knights and i trusted the coaches there too and it was an awesome location and then um Unfortunately, COVID happened and we missed out on a whole year during my draft year. But, you know, you obviously can't plan for a global pandemic. But, um, you know, still I had an awesome, you know, a couple of years there, though, before I left to go to the USHL. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, Talk to us about how you joined the league, um, the process of you joining the London Knights um, and then what that really meant to you. Um, like, did you ever imagine starting hockey at a young age that you would ever be playing for a junior league as a part of the Canadian Hockey League? Oh, it's funny. Even, even looking back, even now, sometimes I, I still look back and I'm like, wow, I can't believe that I, that all happened, you know, because it's such yeah. a big deal, especially for an American kid, too, who was committed to school at the time. So, you know, I just looking back on it, you know, the OHL and the Ontario League is such a prestigious league and it has a lot of history. So, you know, even just me being ha- me having the opportunity to join that league was just awesome. And and it's something I don't regret at all. I had an awesome four years there. But um, part of the stuff that kind of went into it was just like me just deciding like, hey, this is like where if you want to play pro hockey, it's a good route to go. That's what kind of led me to go there. And But yeah, it was an awesome four years there. I don't regret it at all. And yeah, met some awesome people. Some of my best friends are up there. So yeah, it's just a really awesome experience. So Yeah, and joining that, that must have been like a hard change from high school going to move to a different country and kind of uh, just playing hockey full time. So uh, what were those two seasons like, and how were you able to develop as a player? Yeah, that was that was that was kind of a a big step up coming from high school hockey in, in Massachusetts to prep school and going to the Ontario League. That's a pretty big jump. So you know, I think I handled it pretty well the first year. We had a I was a young guy, but we had a really good team too, and I had to I was able to learn from a lot of the older guys who were drafted already and signed. And um, yeah, I just think I learned a ton in those two seasons though with London. It should have been four on paper, but it only ended up turning into two, obviously. Yeah. But um, yeah, I learned a lot throughout those two years. And obviously during Copa, we're still keeping up to date with the team on Zoom and all that stuff. So, but um, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of development there. And, you know, I don't regret it all my time there. Like, we played in front of 10,000 fans 
you know, every night and just, you know, it was an awesome city, awesome fans too. And, you know, just great guys, great coaches. So yeah, it was, it was awesome playing there. So. For sure. That makes a ton of sense. Um, and then playing older guys and like, obviously it's a 16 to 20 year old league and you're coming in on the younger side. So playing guys like that, how much do you think that helped you? Oh yeah. I think that was probably the biggest factor because I came in at 16 and the team we had, they're a real veteran team who had a lot of experience in the league. And I think that was probably the biggest thing that helped me was just being with at them, you know, with them at practice every day and training with them every day and seeing how they kind of conduct themselves. I think that we had a we had a probably six other 16 year olds on the team. I think that helped all of us a ton that year. And even going back in the next years after that, we just kind of had a lot more confidence knowing we were, we were able to just kind of compete with those guys all last year. So, um, yeah, I think it was awesome. And even, you know, even now I even look at the younger guys like they might be looking up to me and some of the older guys like that too, wherever I'm at. So I just kind of always keep that in the back of my mind. So, yeah. And dropping the gloves is also a, a key part of hockey. Uh, and even for a big guy like you, it must've been nerve wracking punching guys that are older than you, but what was that kind of like, and how do fights really come about when you're on the ice and com- in these competitive leagues? Yeah. Yeah. Fighting is, is definitely like a big part of the sport, you know, whether people what like to admit it or not, you know, it really huh. does keep people in check, you know, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty nerve wracking because it keeps guys honest during the games, keeps guys from doing just, you know, cheap shots and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I had my first fight when I was like 17, actually, during my rookie year. And like, you know, it is a pretty wild experience, obviously. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you're just <laughs> fighting them in a huge arena and just a rowdy barn with a bunch of people watching. But, you know, it's just part of the game and, you know, everybody knows it goes on. But, you know, it doesn't happen as often in the OHL anymore, but, you know, it definitely does. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's a crazy part of the game that you know it's been going on for a while and I don't you know it's I don't know if it's going away anytime soon or anything like that but obviously it's just you know it's how it goes but it's definitely a, a wild experience for sure so I like that keep guys honest that's a good phrase thing yeah <laughs> um, but you made another jump in the midst of your OHL career um in 2021 drafted by close to home for you but our hometown Carolina Hurricanes um, in the sixth round of the 2021 NHL draft. So I can only imagine what that must have been like for you um, joining an NHL team and taking the next step in your career. Yeah, that was so I'll never forget that, you know, for the rest of my life, just being, you know, being a local kid from a, from an area who doesn't have a lot of hockey. So just being drafted in the NHL, seeing my name go up on the board was something I'll never forget, obviously, and just being with my family. And uh, but, you know, obviously, especially during the COVID year, too, like we didn't have a season. So like that, a lot of that trickled down until where I was going to end up. So that was a really nerve wracking day. So just finally seeing my name called was was a huge honor. So I'm just forever grateful for that and just being able to be a part of the Carolina organization. So. Yeah. And I mean, that COVID year, like you mentioned, it kind of affected draft stocks and just the way the draft kind of happened. But I mean, draft stock is obviously a huge part of any type of draft for players and teams alike. So were you ever stressed out by that or did you ever try to increase your draft stock? Um, and what was kind of uh, we've heard the story about the the end of the fifth round and going into the sixth round. What was that like with your family? Yeah. So obviously during that year, our, the biggest worry is probably draft draft stocks. So I think year prior me and a few other guys in, in London we were actually expected to go in the draft but obviously us not playing did have some effect into that and a lot of other guys too end up not getting drafted from the OHL because of our season but um we we had a few things actually go on I, I participated in a tournament in Boston 
it was like another prep school showcase. I, I stayed there with my agent and there was like a tournament with a lot of NHL scouts there. And then after that, I went to a showcase in Erie called the PBHH and it was set up by Andrew Parrott. And he was a guy who played in the OHL and it was for all the players who didn't have a chance to play. And we ended up being able to recruit a ton of NHL scouts there. And we got to, you know, kind of be scouted for 10 games in Erie, Pennsylvania. So that definitely helped, I think, a few guys get drafted, and especially me too, being able to kind of play and kind of show what I got, you know, without a season. So, but um, yeah, just, you know, that whole draft process was pretty, you know, pretty surreal. And even, you know, after the fifth round, it's starting to get late. You're getting a little nervous, right? Because you, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you're probably going, should be going a little bit earlier, but, you know, it's definitely nerve wrecking towards the end of that. But just seeing your name, you call, you kind of just don't care about anything else. You're just glad you went. So that's, that's kind of the biggest thing there. So. For sure. Um, and then uh, skipping a little bit more until last season, um, just two seasons or sorry, two games in um, the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders of the USHL traded for you. Um, and before we get into logistics about that trade and what that meant to you, um, how do trades work from a, one league to another? And obviously two different countries, Canada and the U.S. and two different leagues. So how did that work for you and how does that process generally work? Yeah, it's definitely like a, a big it's definitely not something you see all the time, guys, going back to the USHL. But for me, it was just kind of it happened really fast because, like, it was that to the point where it's like there's a lot of overagers who are in the league and some guys, you know, didn't have enough room. And then we didn't want to, like, miss any games in my last year. So then I ended up knowing a few guys on the Cedar Rapid Rough Riders. We knew the coach. And then we ended up just having the league kind of pass me through. And then I was able to just kind of be released and I was able to go to the USHL from there. So that's kind of how the trade process happened. But yeah, I was really fortunate to be able to be on their team for the year. So, yeah, and they were fortunate to have you. Uh, you posted your best season to date last year. What were some of the differences that you noticed that kind of helped you excel? Yeah, I just thought it, you know, I was definitely older. I was coming off of just, you know, it's, technically, it's my third year in juniors. I think I was a bit more confident. You know, I was an older guy. And, uh, you know, I had a lot to prove too. And I just think being in that atmosphere and the league and how competitive it was and just the kind of playing style we had, it helped me a lot too. But, um, yeah, I think that's kind of what it went into it, but it was a good, uh, good year and a fun year too, though. So. For sure. Um, and then something I've always wondered as a prospect, Arsh, I don't know how much for you, but how closely, and this is not just for NHL, but for any really any prospect, MLB, um, NFL, obviously the G League and the NBA, um, how closely do prospects, or I guess for you in general, how closely do you follow the Hurricanes? Um, and especially after development camp, before and after, how much have you been paying attention to the team and, and following along their progress? Yeah, I mean, I'm pr pretty much, you know, me, me, you know, the other prospects talk about it too. We kind of, we all keep up to date with them and what they're yeah. doing, the trades they're making and just, you know, what's going into it, right? Because, you know, yeah. that's where you're at, you want to know, right? And, you know, during the year or two, we're watching, the, I watch the games almost every night, seeing like what, how they're playing and just kind of looking at their D and see how they play and all that. And I try to translate that into my game, just stuff like that. But overall, we, we don't, you know, we obviously still got to focus on our seasons, but we obviously still, are, you know, are checking into them, seeing what's going on with them. You know, like even though we're prospects, you know, we're still we, we were ruining the best for them. We want them to win and see them succeed, too. So, you know. Yeah. And historically, hockey isn't hasn't been the most diverse sport. What does it mean to you to be like a groundbreaker, a groundbreaker and a pioneer in that sense? Yeah, it means it means the world to me, you know, like growing up, you kind of, you know, being the only kid of color in the locker room. It, you know, it's it happens a lot. But, you know, I think I'm at the point now where I'm pretty used to it. It's been my whole life. So it's not really something I'm thinking about anymore. But, yeah, it means the world to me just to kind of be a pioneer for that and kind of just see other kids too, kind of look up to me. 
and uh, especially kids of color too. But you know, it's it's just I it's just kind of embrace it, and you know, it's go about my day with it, and just still try to just be the best uh, player I can be. Be so. For sure. And are there guys you talked about guys, people that look up to you, younger kids, hopefully as a role model. Um, are there any guys that you look up to, not not just pioneers in the NHL, but any guys in general that you try to model your game off of besides the Hurricanes? Yeah, there's a few guys. Actually, I love watching a ton of the NHL. Um, I love watching Zach Rowinski and uh, off of Columbus. I skated with him a few times this summer in Michigan. And I just love big D-men who can move the puck well, like Shea Theodore. Slav and a Brim Burns, obviously, they're on the game. Yeah. But, um, you know, just guys like that, Seth Jones. Um, I, I try to watch those guys. And, you know, they're big guys, too, who can move the puck well and skate. So I try to model my game as much as I can after those guys. Because, you know, when when I start to model my game after them, I start playing better. So it's something that uh tends to work. But, yeah, that's kind of the main thing, though, that goes into that. So Yeah, that's awesome. Um, And both Arsh and I have tons of friends that play hockey, especially in New Jersey, um, but also in North Carolina. Um, so let's settle the bit, the debate right now. And I, this is kind of a fun question. Um, what's the best celebration? I know you don't score a ton at defense, but you do score. So what's the yeah. best celebration um, after, after a goal or what's your go-to before your teammates come over to you? Yeah. I, mean, I don't really have a go-to. I think it's just in the moment. I don't really play it before, but uh, I don't know, maybe jumping into the glass and just like giving a hug to all the guys. Like that's yeah. kind of, I don't do anything super crazy, like a heartbreak or anything, but you know, it's just, you know, I just hope I score and that's it. I don't really think about it after that. So, yeah. Well, this is our signature question. So we tell all our guests this. We always ask about advice um, for, for our younger generation and the audience. So what advice do you have for kids who may be struggling to find their footing in a sport or are trying to excel, um, but they really love it and they really hope to play professionally and have dreams of making it? Yeah, I think I think what applies into that is like when you, when somebody's applying for a job or they they're going into a career they want to pursue, you got to be able to study and know all aspects of that field. And I think the same applies in the sport. You got to study the sport. You got to really, if you have a passion for it, it shouldn't come up, come, come off as work. Really. You should be able to kind of just, you know, do your own research and be able to practice all the time. But I think the main thing is practice and just really like looking at the pros and seeing like how it looks on TV and what you can do, just little stuff, and maybe just even visualizing about that. And like, even if you're not the best at an early age or when you're starting out, just 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 practicing a ton at it, and just really just like having fun, and just even going outside on the weekend and just kind of playing it or doing whatever you can. Just you know, I can definitely help out your uh, your game, whatever sport you're doing a lot. So just practice, honestly. So. Absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. And I'm sure our audience will get a lot from that. Um, but that's all we have for you. Thank you so much um, for hopping on Zoom with us today um, and joining us and, and really making time for us on your schedule. We really appreciate it. And I'm sure um, our audience will really, really love this interview. So thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, really appreciate you guys having me on here. So.